Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and talk radio show. Each week, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education, leadership, leadership in general, and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So today, I have another amazing guest with me um, who is someone uh, that has founded an organization that um, takes care of, of individuals that um, have gone through trauma med- and have medical um, issues and, and has combined her desire to help take care of people and with technology. And so there is why we have today's um, show called Wellbotics, Learning Technology with a Purpose. And today's conversation is going to be with Dr. Pam Davis. Welcome, Pam. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you. And Pam is uh, in New York City, and she does workshops, a public speaker. And uh, one of my favorite titles that she has is she's a STEM educator. People that know me know that I'm a science nerd, too. And so, um, Pam, we're just so glad to have you. So, I, I, first of all, you know, I, I told you, uh, you know, just to, to give people a sneak preview before we came on board, Pam asked me, so how did you hear about <laughs> the uh, Wellbotics? And I, you know, it, it, just as everyone else, I'm an avid reader of news and, and anything to improve myself and back and pass along to others. And and so the program was highlighted in an article. And so um, I, I thought, wow, this would be a great person to, to have a conversation with. And so here we are. And so I'm really thankful uh, to Pam for being willing to come on and talk to me today. And so that program, Wellbotics, um, I, I guess, you know, it, it sounds like it's a very kind of complex integration of technology with literacy, computer literacy, and, and the purpose uh, uh, with, with, with families and with children going through uh, troubling times. And so um, why don't we start with, so tell, him, tell me a little bit about the program itself, Wellbotics, but also interested in how you started it. Okay. Um, I can definitely trace the beginnings of Wellbotics to my own diagnosis with um, cancer. I was diagnosed uh, with breast cancer in 2016 and became um, really kind of reliant on a support community I had with a bunch of women who all had gynecological cancer. And one of the things that uh, came up a lot in our group meetings were their own trials dealing with having, dealing with motherhood. Mm-hmm. Many of them had young children, some of them had teens, and, you know, even having a parent with cancer is a trial for the whole family, and children, of course, deal with trials in their own way. So, mm-hmm. you know, after hearing their stories, I started a robotics club at Gilda's Club Westchester, which is okay. where I, I got my support with some of the kids there. And we had a the first robot game that I um, created was a game that explained alopecia 
to children. I believe we started at six and went up to 12 years old, and we uh, had different places for the robots to have to get um, information and, you know, secure prizes. We had a place where there was a, a ceiling fan because um, for those okay. of us that lost our hair, you know, the, a ceiling fan is a new a new adventure. And so, <laughs> so it was, you know, it was it was it was facts. It was fun. It was uh, a, a way to to bond and and also problem solve, which is mm-hmm. so important for kids when they. You know, when they have problems that they can't solve, to have a problem that you can solve, it sure, really, sure. yeah, really helps. Well, well. So now you said so having a ceiling fan is a new adventure. Tell me what you mean. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, well, with alopecia, you know, which is hair loss, which a lot of uh, breast cancer patients go through, uh, mm-hmm. you ha- you lose your hair, and when you, and when the kid's mom comes home with hair loss. The kid has questions, and it's it's not easy right. to you know it's not easy to deal with as right, as a person right. who's losing hair, but yeah. um, but one of the best things that I found about it was that uh, yeah, ceiling fan was definitely very refreshing. I had no okay. idea how much I was missing by having hair under a ceiling fan. Wow, wow. Okay, got it, got it. Well, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, probably a lot of people, um, and and certainly for me. When I hear robotics, you know, I think of a certain thing. You know, I think about, um, you know, what we used to see on on television, the robot butler, or you know, some you know, some something coming along and and taking the place of a human. And so, certainly later on, I came to understand that robots. Are they take are a lot of different things, and so they're not necessarily uh, in the form of an android or anything like that. So, um, tell me a little bit about like so when you say robotics and robots, what kinds of things do the robots that you are helping people design? Because I, I do want to get into also what what that what that process is, what it looks like to help people. Um, uh, create robots, but what what are you generally talking about when you say robots? Well, um, one of the things that kids learn through robotics is our definition of a robot, and there are several, but uh, the one that we use, the simple definition, is a robot is a, a machine that can be programmed to autonomously perform a task. Okay. So if you think about it that way, even every time you go to uh, the mall and the door automatically opens because mm-hmm. you stand in front of it, that's a robot. Yeah. Because yeah. there is a sensor there, and it does have uh, enough brains to open when you walk up and not to close until you pass through. So essentially a robot is, uh, like I said, just something that can autonomously um, complete a task. But yes. what the robots we use, you know, if you've if you've played with Legos, they've they've changed a lot over the years. And Legos mm-hmm. make their own robots, and kids actually code. They use um, block-based programming to actually get these Lego machines to drive and to even walk and to really? be able to do different things on game boards and in other settings. So wow. uh, it's. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's a lot of fun, and um, the kids love it. Yeah, well, well, the, your definition fits with an experience I had when I first 
I started going to South Africa was the first time I had heard it. Um, and I was, I would drive and, and so friends would give me directions. And so they would always describe what we call a traffic light or a traffic signal. They would always say, go to the robot and turn right. And so it was the first time I actually heard of a traffic signal. Um, but of course, you know, in the U S we often say to the red light, go to the red light and turn, you know, uh-huh. even though the light might not be red, but we call it a red light. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they often, and I'm sure some of our, uh, the people listening in from South Africa would, would agree that that's something that is pretty common to refer to the traffic signal as a robot. And so I, I can definitely um, identify with, I mean, for me, someone, as I said, a, a science nerd, I, um, you know, that you actually can create these um, machines um, using Legos. Um, and so I can imagine that's a lot of fun um, for families. So what, what does it also look like to engage um, entire families, perhaps, what, what, what might that entail? Um, is it that they are using Lego blocks or is there some other um, process that you introduce this to them? And, and I guess w- since we've been talking about it, it's, it's Wellbotics learning technology with a purpose, um, is it so? What what is what? How would you describe the purpose? What is the actual purpose? What are you trying to do by having them complete these tasks? What what need does it fulfill? Well, we we work usually with social workers and uh, mental health professionals, and it, it's like a form of adjunctive therapy. If hmm. you think about the idea that in order to kind of understand your own mental health, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, therapists will use toys, like right. put-in-place therapy, That's right, play or sometimes therapy. have drama therapy where you even act out, um, you know, different uh, parts of, of, of the steps of healing. And there's, there's even bibliotherapy where, you know, you use books and stories. And robots include all of those things. Robots include uh, play. You know, there's, there's a big play element in creating a robot, and there's a big storytelling element when you are creating um, the code for the robot to move around the game board. You, can be retell- you are retelling a story um, perhaps of, like I said, of, of the time that uh, you might spend under a ceiling fan or uh, the time that you went and, um, you know, bought a wig, or it could be something way more technical, like, you mm-hmm. know, you could Telling, retelling the story of the actual way that hair grows and then stops growing when um, certain medicines are introduced. So, uh, yeah, so we use robots to help the therapist make inroads to the child. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And so your work, um, tell us about the, your organization itself. How do you, how do you engage with um, communities and groups of people who might, on one hand, um, because when you said trauma, um, you know, that could take on a lot of different areas, right? Um, so how do you engage with these either individuals or families or couples? Um, how do they find you? 
Well, we usually work with mental health professionals or community lay uh, mental health professionals. And um, a lot of times, for instance, when we were at Gilda's house, uh, Gilda's Club, rather, Gilda's Club Westchester, we started with the kids where we just had a group for kids. But then slowly, you know, other people saw the robots coming in, and they were like, wait a minute, I want to I play with robots. When are you going to do a game for us? And so we had um, programs for just, you know, fathers and their, and their children. And then, um, you know, the mothers saw it, and they were like, well, you know, we want to try it too. And so it turned into more of a word of mouth is how it first started. And then slowly we moved outside of the cancer community where we worked with um, the Harlem, I'm sorry, the West Harlem Development Corporation and had some a success with uh, first-generation college students there. And everybody mm. doesn't trauma the same way. You know, we started in cancer where it is very easy to recognize the traumatic impact and and situation. But, you know, being a first-generation college student also comes with its own hurdles and um, and can and can be traumatic. And so we worked with um groups like that. We've worked with people with um low housing stability. We we've been found usually through word of mouth, and we also have a ministry. Um, so some of the folks at Riverside Church in Harlem are uh, are helpful, you know, with with their groups, and we work. So we usually work through organizations more so uh-huh. than private. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh-huh. Well, I just uh, interesting. I just got a, a message from an educator who said. Um, my nephew, who has autism, loves Lego. During COVID, he created an entire classroom, very therapeutic for him, and helps with his creative side. Um, are you also working with um, individuals, uh, family members, families that have uh, autism uh, in, in, among children in the family? We partner with organizations that have, um, that have that as their focus. But I think it is so important that um, the autist, the kind of the ASD spectrum, has its own its own um, its own norms, and it's not the same as trauma. So we work mm-hmm. with other we work with other organizations that specialize in. In ASD, and mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to sometimes the social emotional part of it, that's our that's where we can come in. But but like I gotcha. said, I don't I don't uh, I don't think it's wise to kind of mix methods in gotcha. in that situation. Right. So because you're you're doing mostly traumatic events. That's that. Yes, we're looking at yeah. trauma and mm-hmm. um, you know. Th- that type of therapeutic intervention more so gotcha. than ASD. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so, um, I, I so I know that you you talked about coding also. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So I, I mean that in itself, um, you know, there's been a, a widespread of interest um, in a lot of communities around having children learn how to code, and it's had various uh, outcomes. Uh, um, what's been your experience with, with uh, teaching the coding? And because you mentioned a certain kind of coding. I'm not familiar with it, but maybe you can explain a little bit what you mean by, I think you said block coding. But 
Well, speaking of Legos, we use block-based coding, which uh, are just pieces of code that snap together like Legos and Mm -hmm. create um, programs from that, and the robots are able to follow those commands. Uh, One of the things that makes Wellbotics unique, and um, a lot of the mental health professionals that we work with speak highly of the idea that when you are coding, you're actually taking a behavior that you want the robot to perform and breaking it down into very discrete steps. Uh, And that's the thing you're doing when you are managing traumatic traumatic responses. Um, You know, when when your behavior is based on trauma responses, you also need to break down the behavior into manageable steps in order to create healthier behavior. So a lot of yeah, so a lot of times the uh, therapists tell us that they were able to explain to the child, you know, after they programmed a robot to, for instance, um, you know, go to a yoga a yoga studio on the mat or on the <laughs> on the robot game, and mm-hmm. they had to break down every step with the coding language on how the robot was to achieve that goal. It's the same thing as if you, you know, had that moment where you were frustrated or angry and you wanted to have some perhaps behavior that was not successful. If you break down that behavior into into different steps, you can make a change of your own code and maybe, um, you know, have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and it's fascinating. Um, how did you... How did you come up with that? I mean, now as I think about it, um, that, you know, so there are decisions that, you know, we all make uh, from one step to the next and, and trying to explain uh, to a child where kind of the, the, maybe the decision-making went wrong um, would be helpful in those kinds of uh, um, environments. Um, what, how did you, how did you come up with this concept? Was it, I know you said that part of it was that you had your own um, um, situation that you were dealing with, but when, especially when we're talking about behavior, um, what made you uh, what made you come up with this this process? I, I'd say a couple of things. I was a uh, um, part of First Lego League, which is a major robotics competition uh, for kids. For years, I was a coach. I was, um, you know, I was part of the uh, regional network. I've, I've even done some speaking at the national conventions, and so I already knew what robots could do as far as the way they help kids think differently. I was very, very familiar with that. But I also grew up as a sick kid myself. I, I grew up with epilepsy. And I know that when I was young and and having seizures and people were trying to make me feel better about that, they didn't really break it down to me and explain to me exactly what was going on in my brain that led to Uh. And so I wanted to know. You know, I was Mm -hmm. was 10, but I I did want to know. You know, you just tell me they they gave me, you know, stories about – uh, Napoleon, I believe, who had epilepsy, and Harriet Tubman, who had seizures as well, and that's all fine and good, but once I understood that my brain worked differently than others' brains and how that led to seizure activity, that was really a relief. 
And mm-hmm. so that's what I wanted to um, bring to the kids and the idea that coding could help them do that and robot games could be created to help explain that. It, mm-hmm. it just seemed, you know, I'd, I'd spent so, many, so much time with kids that I'd, I'd seen it work in other ways, and I was clear that it could very easily explain some things to kids that would satisfy some deep needs in them. Sure, sure. And so I would love to hear more about, you know, shifting um, where, you know, there are medical aspects of this, whether there are diagnoses, as you've talked about epilepsy, there's cancer and others. Um, You also um, state in some of your literature that it helps um, students, well, I shouldn't even say students, but people of all ages cope and uh, with and prevent negative impact of traumatic events. So tell me, tell me how, what's the mechanism for that? How does it, how does it help them cope with tra- trauma? Because when I think about trauma, I think about um, a kind of an, an event, um, thinking about a, a point in time where something happens and then there's a spike in a reaction, for example. So, um, how, unless you're, you're talking about that in a different way or there are different ways to think about it, but would love to hear how does it help uh, individuals cope with um, trauma itself as a traumatic event? Um, okay, well, I can give you one example of uh, some adults that I worked with, and we looked at the trauma of unforgiveness. Mm. Now that's big that's a big word but, mm-hmm. but basically mm-hmm. what unforgiveness encompasses are things like um retaliation or mm-hmm. uh revenge and all of those things that are kind of the the impact of uh not forgiving someone mm-hmm. and so we looked at the idea of offense because this was this was taking place in the organization that was uh really kind of traumatized with a a, a leadership and the, the division that the the change in leadership caused okay so we looked at um you know how offense was the original place where the uh, the original place where we began that there were people that were offended on both sides of that. And mm-hmm. the robot had to carry their offense to a place where they could offset it, and they had different uh. choices. So the, the the point that we came to, however, had more to do with the discussions that took place as the robot was moving through the board. Mm-hmm. Why was the robot going to retaliation instead of reconciliation, instead of resilience or we had a bunch of choices where the robots could go none of them were forgiveness because we hadn't gotten to that point yet Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um the rest of the healing and and kind of the rest of the resilience building came post the robotics post the robotics experience like i said we partner with professionals, mental health professionals in some cases, and in this case um, it was not necessarily a mental health, but we were part of a team that came in to kind of help these people. And these were people of all ages. They were all adults, some of them much older. You would would be surprised if you 
if you understood who was looking for retaliation, because I was like, wow, you know. This <laughs> looked to me like somebody that would retaliate, but I guess uh, they they were um, all, you know, all adults, not all computer literate. And and one of the things that helped in the talk was not only the idea that you're playing with Legos, so it's a little easier to take yourself um, off of your defenses, uh, to, to sure. turn your defenses down a little bit because you're playing Legos there. You're 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 failing together because you know creating code for a robot is not it's not intuitive. It's something that you're going to have to get wrong before you get it right, and uh. then. And then also you're learning about each other based on how the robot game is designed. Ah, I see. Very interesting. And, you know, um, I'm glad that you picked that topic um, because actually on June 15th I have a a guest who is a professor and researcher about forgiveness um, who's going to be on the show um, uh, on the 15th of June. Um, and and the, the the show's title is forgiveness for us or them, and so it's a topic that is very timely um, all over, where a number of people are asking the, you know those kinds of questions. How do we engage um, and 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 explore what it means to forgive and and go forward? So thank you. Um, that's a that's fascinating. Um, so tell me what what has been the if I could ask the, the, the biggest learning for you, um, having engaged in this project, uh, dare I say, what has been most rewarding in the project, but what's, what's been the thing you've learned? Um, and maybe it wasn't something you expected to, but, um, but you, you learned it nonetheless. Um, I would say that one of the things that I learned is that your community is so important when you're healing, or at least I'm finding that the people that um, we've been able to help have built community in in a way that is very important to their healing, and they report back to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And And one of the things that happens, like I said earlier, with building a robot and playing this robot game and and getting 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 it right before you this you know, after you've gotten it wrong several times, is it creates a sense of vulnerability mm-hmm. in the community that is really hard to really hard to do in in other circumstances. You know, it's it's easy to to come in and um, dismiss the idea that you know playing has this impact, but mm-hmm. I've. I've received numerous reports from mental health professionals, from um, parents and children and and even the adults that we've helped that said how important it was and how much they trusted these, um, the people in their group, you know, relatively quickly because of the experience of problem solving together and Mm -hmm. of, um, succeeding together and definitely of succeeding together after a fail. Mm-hmm. And, and I would imagine like any other kind of process where you bring people together around a common purpose um, or a project that there's some, some bonding that occurs. Is that also a part of what your goals are? Absolutely. You hit, yes, 
absolutely, definitely the idea of um, having that purpose, of of having this um, this goal in mind, mm-hmm. is extremely important for bonding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I know it's, it's so crazy. I'm just looking up, and I know we're we're running out of time. But I'd love to hear just at least one more thing. I, one other question I have for you is: So, what next? What is it that you want? What else do you want to do with this project? Is this something? that can be replicated. Um, uh, I know you're doing great work with it in New York City, uh, but what what else do you have in mind for uh, this project itself? Well, since our roots were were so strongly rooted in health-related mental health, of course the the pandemic has uh, created a a real need in in kids and schools and families everywhere. And so uh, what we see for us in the future is definitely to, you know, expand our model. We've had um, some success in kind of creating opportunities in New York City public schools, for instance. We'll be working with um, schools in Queens in the, in the fall, I believe. And it's, it's important that kids have these, have an understanding, really, of what's going on with their mental health and of what they can do about it. And, yes, we do see it as replicated. We want to train um, mental health professionals on how to take this, you know, to the next level in their own practices, mm-hmm. and like we've done with some of the folks that we already work with. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people who are interested can definitely get on board and follow us uh, at Wellbotics on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and also, you know, LinkedIn, Dr. Pam Davis, and uh, LinkedIn Wellbotics as well to, to learn more about what we're doing. Or, or you can contact us through our website, and that's um, www.wellbotics.org. Awesome. Well, uh, let me tell you, I am so impressed with the work that you've done and just want to encourage you to continue uh, the great work, and uh, we'll be looking to hear more and see more from you. Was such a uh, innovative way of uh, one teaching computer literacy and um, and technology, but also that purpose that you talked about. Um, so many different applications from um, traumatic events to understanding medical diagnoses. So I just uh, commend you for the work that you've done with that. Um, and I know that there are, uh, there are a number of, of organizations out there that are doing STEM work, and I see this is an extension of uh, the STEM work in, that goes across, not just teaching about uh, technology, but as you so uh, eloquently put it, uh, learning technology with a purpose. So um, I want to thank you for coming on again. Again, we're going to be watching, listening, looking for great things uh, out of Wellbotics. And, um, and thank you for sharing all of your social media handles and, and ways to contact you. Um, and I look forward to um, hearing more about you, your work soon. And so until we meet, go well, stay well, Pam. Wishing you the best. You be well. Take care, and thank you for having me.
perfect